members of the church family who are on YouTube or Facebook Live today, I just remind you that you're faithful. Thank you for being faithful. I know your heart is here with us. Uh, I just want to say I miss you, though. I uh, missed you at the table today more than any place else. It's just, it's like the family, you know, and uh, not to be able to celebrate together in person uh, is a heartbreak, but we'll get through this and we will be together. Uh, we know that this is uh, this is short-lived, uh, so let's just persevere, but thank you for joining us, all of you in person too. Thank you all. Uh, open your Bibles to Revelation chapter 22. I want to finish the series called One Blood, talking about race and the gospel. going to finish with a glorious picture of heaven from Revelation chapter 22. I don't know what you think of when you think of heaven. Jesus taught us to pray. When he taught us to pray, he gave us a model prayer. And uh, in that prayer, he said to pray like this, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. It's that thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. What does that mean? Thy kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. A lot of people think of heaven as just the home that they have waiting for them after they die. And it is that. I, I grant you that. You need to know that you have a home with the Lord in heaven after you die. If you don't know that, you need to know that. But, but you also need to know that heaven is more than that. In, in all of Jesus' teaching, and all of the ways he tried to prepare his disciples for this life and the life to come, he, he would talk about the kingdom of heaven, but he would typically say the kingdom of heaven is at hand, which is to say it's here. You can touch it. It's, 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 it, it's within your grasp. It's at hand. Or he would say that the kingdom of heaven is near. It's come near. At one point, at least once, he said the kingdom of heaven is among you. So obviously in Jesus' mind, the kingdom of heaven is, is a place for after you die, but not only that. Jesus went on to say that the kingdom of heaven is like a, a woman who takes leaven or yeast and puts it in her lump of dough and she works it. And that yeast, it, it silently but surely spreads and it eventually takes over that whole loaf. You, you understand that? Jesus says the kingdom is like that. That it sneaks in, it breaks in, and not just waiting for you on the other side, but it comes to our side, and it slowly, silently takes over, it spreads, and that the kingdom of this world is to become the kingdom of our Lord. You understand? The kingdom breaks in, it, it breaks in. So when he tells us to pray, thy kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven, this is the heart of a disciple. This is what Jesus wants us to do, and this is what you need to understand. As Christians, we must strive through Christ to make our present lives on earth reflect our future lives in heaven. This is what we're supposed to do. We are citizens of his kingdom. This world is not our home. And for that reason, I live by the laws. I, I, I live completely by the ways of God who reigns in heaven. And I'm praying that he will reign in this world, that he'll reign in my life in the same way. That means I want him to have his way with me now. Not waiting for something later. I want that to break in now in my life, in this church, in, in this world. I want my present life on earth to reflect the future life we're promised in heaven. Make sense? Our lives conform not to this world, but to the world to come where God is on the throne. You understand? You with me? It's very, very important. This is just a fundamental principle of the Christian life. 
that the kingdom of God is any place where God is king, where God is on the throne. And if you say that he's on the throne of your heart, the throne of your life, then the kingdom of heaven is breaking in through you, through the world where you live, through your family, through all the places where you go. The kingdom of heaven breaks in. This is what Jesus teaches. So in order for you to understand uh, your future life in heaven and how you're supposed to make it your present life here, let's get a good picture of what life in heaven is like. You with me? So Revelation Chapter 22. Again, this is the final sermon in this series on race and the gospel. Heaven is a place where every tongue, every tribe, every people, every nation is gathered before the throne of God. So let's understand how that looks up there so we can know how it looks down here. Revelation chapter 22, verse 1. Then the angel showed me a river with the water of life, clear as crystal, flowing from the throne of God and of the it flowed down the center of the main street, and on each side of the river grew a tree of life, bearing 12 crops of fruit with a fresh crop each month. The leaves were used for medicine to heal the nations. No longer will there be a curse upon anything, for the throne of God and of the Lamb will be there, and his servants will worship him. And they will see his face, and his name will be written on their foreheads. And there will be no night there, no need for lamps or sun, for the Lord God will shine on them, and they will reign forever and ever. Isn't that good? I mean, you understand, right? This isn't just like Bible. We're talking about a moment in your own life to come, right? You'll be there. As I said, it's the amazing revelation, the pulling back of the curtains we can see into heaven. And what we see is this amazing ocean of people gathered before God, the, the, the multitude of people that are redeemed through Christ, through all the earth, through all the ages. And, and it is a, a, an ocean of people from every tongue, every language, every tribe, every people group, every nation under heaven for all time. I, I think it's amazing, but honestly, in my preparation for these sermons, I've really kind of wondered about that. I just kind of wondered about that. Not, not because I didn't know that God loves the world, he does. It's just the idea that in heaven, there's still ethnic differences. You know, different languages and tongues and tribes and people. And you can look out across and see, Lord, she ain't from here. I mean, you can look out there and you can tell that, that there's still the same kind of diversity. And, and honestly, I sort of wondered about that for a second. I mean, last week we talked about Pentecost and how the Holy Spirit erases all of those boundaries between people. There's no more division by language, by tongue, by tribe, by people. We have one spirit. United in Christ, united by the Spirit, who erases, who just obliterates all of those walls of hostility, those walls of division between us. They're gone in the Spirit. So if they're gone in the Spirit, if those walls of division are gone, then how is it that when we have this perfect picture of heaven, like it's perfect, everything is now made exactly as God intends. Everything is in perfect alignment with God's will, with what God wants. And in that picture, in that place of utter perfection where everything is made completely right, you need to understand we're still diverse. We're still tongues and tribes and nations and, and people. It's amazing. Now, why is it this way? I'll just remind you. We're made ethnically diverse because God loves it that way. And because heaven is God getting everything he wants, then we still are diverse. 
It's still tongues and tribes and nations and people, and it's glorious and it's perfect. There's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing that still needs to be corrected here. This is how God made us. This is how God loves us. He loves every single shade of melanin, every single shade of skin. He loves the sound of his name in every single language offering praise. He doesn't care what color the feet are. If they're dancing in in his Holy Spirit, then I'm telling you their worship is perfect. He made us this way. He loves us this way. And the amazing thing is in glory in heaven, God's people in eternity aren't divided by differences, but are united in praise and glory to God. These differences don't divide us. They shouldn't divide us down here either. There's nothing that separates us because of race or language or tongue or anything like that. We're still all the sons and daughters of Adam and Eve. And if you know Jesus, we have the same Holy Spirit. Got the same blood of Jesus in our veins, understand? There's nothing to divide us, nothing to separate us. And in heaven, in all of the glorious diversity, there is an eternal and perfect unity. Ocean of people, every tongue, every tribe, every nation, praising God in perfect unity and in perfect diversity. And God loves it that way. He loves it that way. So understand that kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven, right? So what happens is wherever the kingdom of heaven breaks in, the diversity of heaven breaks out. You see what I'm saying? I said the kingdom of heaven breaks in like like leaven, like yeast in a lump of dough. It spreads and takes over the whole loaf. Well, that's the way the kingdom of heaven is. It breaks in through my life and your life, through the church of Jesus Christ. And wherever you see the kingdom of heaven, wherever God is on the throne, wherever God has his way, this glorious diversity just breaks out. Do I need to preach Pentecost again? When the Holy Spirit came, all of a sudden, all of the nations were gathered together. You understand? When the kingdom of heaven breaks in, the diversity of heaven breaks out. On earth as it is in heaven, right? So let me, let me just ask a question and, uh, and see if you'll just talk with an honest conversation here. Um, if wherever the kingdom of heaven breaks in, the diversity of heaven breaks out, and if, and if we are people who pray that God will reign and rule on earth in our lives like he does in heaven, and if part of what God loves is just diversity, people of every tongue, every tribe, every nation together. Let me just ask you this. Why is the surrounding community so much more diverse than our church is? I I love our church. I, I love all of you, all of you. But why is it that any place else you go, there's more diversity than Woodburn Baptist Church on a Sunday morning? Why is the surrounding community so much more diverse? There's something wrong. I was talking to Jason Dunbar, he's our student pastor. Jason and his wife, Caitlin, live in a beautiful neighborhood called Greystone up up the road, right up the road here in Kalkstown, Illinois. Jason, who are your neighbors? Tell me about your neighbors. Jason said, well, on one side, it's a Russian family. And on the other side, it's a family from India. And then across the street, 
That's a family from Yugoslavia. They are Jason's neighbors in Graceland. From demographic studies I've seen, we have neighborhoods now within a 10 mile radius of our church that are majority Bosnian. I think that's fantastic. However, if there are majority you know, Bosnian neighborhoods within a radius of our church, why are there no Bosnians in this church? But Jason's neighbors are Russian and Indian and Yugoslavians, and why are there no Russians and Indians and Yugoslavians in this church? I'm asking you a serious question. I went to seminary to learn to be a pastor and read books. And in every class I took and every book I read, there's just basic principles of, of church health and church growth. And one of the basic principles of church health is a, a church that is doing what God calls it to do will reflect the ethnic makeup of its neighborhood. It'll look like its neighborhood. Now, why? It's a very simple principle. We're called to win the loss, right? We're, we're called to reach people. We're called to reach the whole world, the, to the whole world of nations. But, but of course, that's going to start, you know, right here in our own front yard, our own backyard. And so a church that is literally reaching people is going to reach its community, and whoever lives out there is going to end up in here, right? Because we're reaching, we're called to reach them. So if they're out there, they'd be in here. But I'm just really troubled by the fact that our surrounding community is increasingly, increasingly much more diverse than our church is. This is a bad sign. It's a bad sign because what this tells me is we're a church in decline. We may still have numbers, but, but in terms of health and mission, and doing what God has called us to do, if we don't look like our community, if we're not reaching the people in our community, then we are not, we are not doing what God has called us to do. And if we're not serving the Lord, then what in the world are we doing? The truth is, they will know that Jesus loves them when they see that we love them too. And that's the message of the gospel, right? That, that, that God so loved the world. Look, everybody in the world. It's, it's a gospel of whosoever will come, whosoever will believe. And everyone, everyone is invited to come to know the salvation that is in Jesus. And, and his love is for the world. But I'm telling you, they won't know that he loves them until they feel like we love them. And we're their neighbors. I'm just saying that, that if we're really praying that, that God's will, God's way, God's kingdom, God's reign will be as real in our lives as, as it is in heaven, then, then there's no way around this. We've got to change. We've got to reach our neighbors. We've got to learn to love our neighbors. We've got to meet our neighbors. Some of us don't even know who our neighbors are. And then if it turns out they're Russian, you're thinking, well, Tim, I don't speak Russian. Well, there's certain things that transcend language. Find a way. Make friends. Find a way. 
but you just can't. You just can't say, we cannot call ourselves Christians. We can't say that we're a church on mission and a church on the move if we continue to ignore the fact, ignore the fact that we have neighbors and neighborhoods that we have nothing to do with. No impact, no influence, no love shown. We've got to change. And I'm aware of the fact that there are pastors who've said that in their churches and lost their jobs. I talked to a pastor last week said pretty much what I just said in his church, and they showed him the door. I'm never going to know that Jesus loves me until I see that we love each other. The angel showed me a river with the water of life, clear as crystal, flowing from the throne of God and of the Lamb. It flowed down the center of the main street on each side of the river grew a tree of life bearing 12 crops of fruit with a fresh crop each month the leaves were used for medicine to heal the nations okay i just want you to see something this is a very i'm reading i mean i got some extra pages here that nobody reads but like that was the last page of the bible right there i just read off of it yours too like we are that far from the end right so this is the last part of God's word, and it is this amazing revelation, this picture of all of us now granted access to the tree of life. And it's complicated, I'll tell you. But you start reading chapter 22, verse 1, 2, and 3, and you think you understand what heaven's like, and it's just like before your eyes, it continues to multiply. It just gets more abundant. I mean, just start reading. Uh, the river of the water of life, clear as crystal, was flowing from the throne of God and of the Lamb. So it's like, are there one throne, two thrones? Like, how many thrones? It flowed down the center of the main street. So if you got a river going down the main street, like, is that now two streets? Is that two streets or one street cut in half? And on each side of the river grew a tree of life. So like, is there one tree of life or now there are two trees of life? But it sounds like to me there's like, like rows of trees of, of life and they have fruit. What kind of fruit? Well, they got a, a different kind of fruit for every month of the year. I mean, a fresh crop each month. It's amazing. It's like heaven just continues to get better and bigger and more glorious and more beautiful. Even as you read before your eyes, it just multiplies. But understand, the amazing thing is the tree of life right there. It's the tree of life. That's what's beautiful. Because remember how it all started? Like, if you go back to the first page, which was Genesis, where were we? We were in paradise. The Garden of Eden, everything exactly as God created it, exactly as God intended it. And the man and the woman, Adam and Eve, who are the parents of us all, right? Adam and Eve were created by God and everything God made was good. And God told them, you can eat of every tree in the garden except one. Now, which tree was that? It was the tree of knowledge. Now, the tree of life was there, but God said they could eat that all day. Breakfast, lunch, and supper, you can have all of it that you want. The tree of life was there. It's eternal life, you understand? It's just the life that God brings, and it was eternal, and it was perfect, and it was good. So they can eat the tree of life, and everything else just don't go to the tree of knowledge. So where did they go? The tree of knowledge. They sinned. They brought sin into their lives, and as you know now, as their children, they have ruined and wrecked our lives. That same sin destroys 
So Adam and Eve, they lost their place. They, they lost that place of love and perfect fellowship with the Creator. And after that, the, 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 the relationship was severed. It was shattered. And the first thing God does is remove them from the garden so that they cannot eat of the tree of life. Now, why is that? Is that punishment? No, it's less punishment. It's actually the very first step God takes in saving us. He's got to save us. This is God's work of salvation because if in our sin, in our separation, in God's wrath, under condemnation, if we were to continue eating of the tree of life, we would live forever in condemnation. God was not willing to see us perish in that way. So from everything that follows, I mean, the entire Bible is telling one story. It's getting us back to eternal life, getting us back to the tree of life. And so finally, in chapter 22, the river flows down the center of the main street, and on each side of the river grows a tree of life. Like, how many trees? I don't even know anymore. And, and, and each tree bears 12 crops of fruit with a fresh crop for each month. Beautiful. Understand, the story comes full circle. But this, this. The leaves were used for medicine to heal the nations. Now, I, I remind you, nations, it's not races. The Bible does not anywhere speak of multiple races. There are not multiple races. There's just one human family. We're all sons and daughters of Adam and Eve. Uh, I'll keep saying it until we all begin to understand. There's not multiple races. It's not like white people, black people, Asian people, you know, Australian Aborigines. It doesn't work that way. That's not scriptural. That's not the Bible. One human family. One human family from one blood, we said in the book of Acts, from one blood, God created all of the ethnos, the ethnic groups. It's cultural, it's language, it's, it's, it's not biological. We're still the same humans. You with me? And so the scripture says the leaves were used for medicine to heal the, the ethnos, the, the, the ethnic groups, the ethnicities. The leaves of the tree of life are used for medicine to heal the ethnic groups. What does that mean? First thing that I recognize, and I've already alluded to this, is that God's aim is to heal the ethnic groups, not eliminate them. You get to heaven, there's still tongues and tribes and nations and people. The problem down here is that those differences divide us. Up there, there's no division, no separation. Still perfect unity, but, but God doesn't eliminate the ethnic groups. He doesn't eliminate our, our cultural or ethnic differences. He just heals them. It's the language of sickness, of disease, of woundedness and brokenness. And, and, and I think part of the lesson here is that only heaven will heal all the wounds of racism. Only heaven will heal all the wounds of racism. But what are the wounds of racism? I mean, what are they exactly? Well, for some of us, it's the wounds of being on the, on the other side of racism your whole life. Being made to feel less than just because of the way you were born, the, the way you look, texture of your hair. To be told that you're less beautiful, that you're less worthy, that you're not included. 
You can't eat here. You can't swim here. You can't be here. But you live in a country of such amazing wealth and freedom, and yet at the same time wonder if your life matters. See, there are wounds of racism that, that only heaven can heal. And some of you know the pain of, of, of living in this sort of situation. And I just want to just show you the promise of heaven here that, that there is a day coming when he shall wipe away all the tears from our eyes and there shall be no more sickness, no more sorrow, no more sadness, no more pain. If you know anything at all about the Bible, you know that the Bible says that nobody can see God's face and live. You just don't get to see God's face and live. But right here, it says in the most amazing way, verse 4, and they will see his face. We will see his face and his name will be written on their foreheads. You understand that? You're going to look into his face. And when you look into his face, you will know, you will know that your life matters eternally to the God who made you. Your life matters to the point that he would die for you, that he would send his son and shed his blood to die for you. Your life matters to him in a way that you've hardly even imagined. At the very same time, for all the names you've ever been called in your whole life, whatever name, ugly name you've been called, you understand, you'll stand before him and look into his face and his name, his name will be written on your forehead. You will know who you belong to and it doesn't matter what anybody's called you, you are now called by his name. You know that you belong to him. You will see his face and the leaves of this tree will be medicine for the healing of the nation. So I'm reading this and praying through this for weeks, you all, to stand before you today. And the question I've been asking myself is, well, am I wounded by racism? Am I? Because everything I just said, y'all, it, 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 it doesn't apply to me. I've, I've never really been called a name. I mean, in the 70s, it was going to play that funky music, white boy, but to be called a white boy was never that bad, let's be honest. I don't know that pain. Never walked in any place and told I didn't belong, I couldn't be there. Never had a cop follow me. I, I don't know this pain. So I've just been praying and asking God, you know, am I wounded by racism? And what I'm about to say applies to me. I don't know how it applies to you. I don't know your life. I don't know your heart. I just know that I have just been raised right here in the South. And as I've told you, a racist grandfather and just always around people who were racist. My parents weren't, and that wasn't always such a part of me, but I knew it. I was familiar with it. I could, I could live in a racist situation. But I absorbed a lot of it. I just sort of accepted it, that this is how it is, you know, and, and I didn't question it. And so I was just raised, you know, to know the ugly names for other people, you know, to sort of size people up by the color of their skin or the shape of their eyes and make a decision about what I could know about them, you know, 
don't think I was ever mean to people. I just know that in school I was just aware of, you know, the fact that you know, there are black kids and white kids. And we were friends. We got along at school, but I also just know that, um, that there were just kids that I've never invited to my house. never invited me to their house either for that matter I mean you know there's just a separation there when George Floyd was killed early in the year um, I was just really aware of how African Americans my friends Pastor Eric uh, just a number of just close friends and I, I tried to walk through and understand that from their perspective. And, and the thing that I realized was that um, they, they felt that personally. Like, like when they saw George Floyd die, you know, that could be me or that could be my father or that could be my brother. Like they identified with, with that person dying. And I became really aware of the fact that I don't identify. Like I, there's, that was not my response. That could be me. Because honestly, in this society, that's very unlikely to be me. Just honestly. But beyond that, it's, it, it's just the way um, I, I don't identify. Like I, like I think of myself as an individual, as a person. And I'm, I guess what I'm getting at, it's, it's the wound of racism as it's been in my heart. Having always somehow been taught to think, and not even consciously sometimes, it's just back in there. You know what I mean? It's the background of, of my thinking. It's like in my bones somehow, if not my brain. But to just have absorbed that idea that, that you're automatically better, that you're automatically worth more, that you're automatically welcome. It's your life automatically matters. I've just always grown up with that idea that automatically I'm better and, and just sort of taught that there's something better about whiteness, just something better. And, and so that makes me better. It makes me different from. So when I look at other groups, other nations, other people, I, I just feel different. I, I feel separate from better, superior. I mean, it's just, it's just the way I was raised. But I just want you to understand how that in itself, the word that has just been coming to my mind in my prayer is this alienation. It's this alienation, this, this, this feeling that I'm, I'm different, I'm, I'm separate, better than, superior, whatever. But, but the point is, it just means I'm always somehow alienated from other people, from other groups, even my own group. I mean, as, as, as white people. You know, we don't even think we have a culture. Like everybody else has culture, but, you know, for us, it, it's just, you know, it's just what, the way it is. We don't even think of ourselves as having culture. We're so alienated even from our own selves. We, we don't even know ourselves well. And so when we see someone, a human being dying or being treated unjustly, there's not that part of us that says, oh my goodness, th that's like me because we don't really think that many people are like us. We're, we're different, we're separate, we're alienated. And I recognize this alienation is a wound. 
It's part of the reason that Jesus had to die, and it's part of what Jesus has to redeem in me and perhaps in some of you. This feeling that you're not like other people or that other people aren't like you or that lives have different you know, levels of worth or that certain kinds of people are automatically more beautiful, more desirable, worth more. And I'm just telling you, that is not compatible with the gospel of Jesus. We have to allow Jesus to heal this wound, this wound of alienation. And that's why for me, when I read this passage, there's a part of me that just rejoices in knowing that this moment will come. This moment when I shall see his face, I will look into his face and I will see the God in whose image I've been created. And then I will look across the ocean of people, every tongue, every tribe, every people, every nation. And I will know that they are made in his image too. I will see in their faces a part of his great face. I'll see that. I'll know that. And I'll have his name on my forehead too. But it'll be the very same name. I will be like everybody else. I'll just be one of them. Just one of them. Just another person. Another person that Jesus loved enough to die for. Another person that Christ redeems by his own blood. Another person inhabited by his spirit brought into this amazing people of God. I'm not different, I'm not better, I'm not superior, I'm not, I'm not less than, I'm not below either. We're just all, all included. All stand before his glorious face and he shines on us all. Just shines on us. Only heaven's gonna heal all the wounds of racism. It turns out, Racism wounds the racist too. It's not the same pain. It's the same source of healing. It flowed down the center of the main street, and on each side of the river grew a tree of life, bearing 12 crops of fruit with a fresh crop each month. The leaves were used for medicine, for healing. No longer will there be a curse upon anything for the throne of God and of the Lamb will be there and his servants will worship him. They will see his face and his name will be on their foreheads and there will be no night there, no need for lamps or sun for the Lord God will shine on them and they will reign forever and ever. They means us, means all of us. Ocean of people Christ redeemed. Every tongue, every tribe, every people, every nation. And you and I, we're just going to be in there. For all time, for all eternity. We're his people. Pray with me. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth in my life, in this church. In this community, in this world, Lord God, let your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. 
Lord, down here there is so much division, there is so much brokenness, and there is nothing that can unify us. There is no political party, there is no president, there is no leader, there is no movie of the week, no book. There is nothing, Lord, nothing with the power to divide us, Lord, in the horrible ways that we are separated. God, there are wounds that only heaven can heal. But God, we praise you for the promise on that glorious day when your face shines upon us, Lord God, the leaves of that tree will heal the nations, heal all of the wounds, Lord, of our division. So, Lord, we pray, let that be so now. Let that healing begin now. Bring down the walls now. Change our hearts now. Heal the wounds, Lord. Make it be so that this life, Lord, that we live on earth, just like our future lives in heaven, Jesus, we can't do this without you, without your power, without your spirit. The world needs you, Lord. The world needs the gospel. Help us, Lord, as believers to be this uh, leading edge of the kingdom, breaking into this neighborhoods, Lord, to the communities around us, Lord. Help us to be a presence of peace and unity and love like the world's never seen. Let this church, Lord, be a light shining in a diverse community. Lord, let people look at us and see something of the great, great love of the God who has made all the nations of the world. Lord, give us your heart. Give us your eyes. Give us, Lord God, the healing that you promised. Pray these things in the name of Jesus, but for our own sake.